Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. From America, this is the Adult Swim Podcast, Rick and Morty Companion Edition. Live, I'm Matt Harrigan with me, Maxime Simonet. Hello, also from America, me. Thanks, it's great to be here, Matt. Tonight, we're talking about Rick and Morty number 407, Never Ricking Morty. If you haven't watched it yet, you might want to watch it first. Or beware of spoilers. Don't forget this Rick and Morty Companion Podcast is live every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern on AdultSwim.com or the Adult Swim app. You can call in. You can talk to these folks. Ask some questions about the Rick and Morty episode you just watched. 708-794-6386 is that number. Tonight we're talking with some folks who made this episode, including Erica Hayes, who directed it, Jeff Loveness, who wrote it, art director James McDermott, and lead character designer Carlos Ortega. Here we go. Rick and Morty number 407, Never Ricking Morty. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Oh, hello. Everyone say your name and how old you are. Erica, okay. we'll start with you. Oh, okay. Um, my name is Erica Hayes, and I'm... You don't have to 30. give your age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 32, I, I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, and I directed this episode. Jeff? I'm Jeff Loveness. Uh, I wrote the episode along with the whole writer's team and Dan and everybody. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, uh, 30 years old and I'm not like old, but I'm getting old. I'm starting to feel like why uh, adults are sad and it's it's weighing on me a lot. (laughs) James. Uh, James McDermott. I'm old enough. You don't need to know my age. You don't. We don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, love to be here. Carlos. Yeah, and Carlos Ortega Madden here, actually, and I'm the lead uh, character designer on that episode as well. And uh, that age thing, yeah, I think I'm going to keep that to myself, too. You Carlos, have- no, you look like the perfect age at all times. You just yes. look like you could be any age. It's like You have not aged since season one. Well, but it's thank like, you very much. But it's like a good age, too. Like, you, would, you should sell an alcohol on TV. Like, it's a very... Like, <laughs> Cool aging. <laughs> that could be my next gig, I think. Yeah. You guys have been living with this episode for a long time. When did this start? I think, oh man, we. I think we rebroke this thing eight times, at least from a script point of view. I don't know. Like, I think it started in like October or November from Mike McMahon, who was our head writer. We were trying to think of a way to like one up either the anthology, their clip show, or we were going to do interdimensional cable for a while, but I think that fell apart. I can't remember. So like the challenge was to come up with a new type of experimental narrative episode. And I think it came from Mike and me and just the entire writer's room talking about this old Batman cartoon called almost got him. Or it was like an episode of that nineties cartoon, which it just goes around about all of these Batman villains talking about the times they almost got Batman. And then there's like, I mean, Canterbury tales, uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin was the thing. So like, 
all I have to say, it started from a place of wanting to tell an anthology series, but then we saw that it, it, we had to go deeper because other shows had done anthologies or they had done experimental narratives. So like, then we just drove ourselves crazy. I think the final draft was in like g- g- April of 2019 or something. But when did you guys get it on the art side, Erica? That's that sounds right. Yeah, like, more than a year ago. I, spring of last year. Yeah, I think the, yeah. the fine and then like Harmon's big Harmon got in there and we, then we I mean, we we tore this thing up. I think April of 2019 is when I kind of stepped away from it and then it went like fully off to art. But these things change all the time. Like I think that coronavirus joke was that wasn't that was like a last minute ADR, I'm sure. So like these things change right up until the world falls apart. So you're saying that wasn't <laughs> in the original script a year ago. No, the, the whole capitalism <laughs> rant was. I was I was actually proud of myself for, for <laughs> on the weeks when we're sending back people to die. <laughs> I was uh I, the whole capitalism rant was in there, but Dan added that they must have added the virus thing last minute. Yeah, the show comes out eleven thirty Eastern last night. You watch it. Do you get on Reddit? Do you gauge the reaction immediately? Do you care? How do you guys handle when the show rolls out? I did check Twitter. I was on Twitter for a while. Do you have anxiety yeah. about it? Do you, are you oh, yeah. excited or are you terrified? <laughs> terrified. I feel sick. I can't even watch the episode live. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to cause myself pain. I just read, like, I, I find any web form I can. I feel like I'm, like, an AI security system just looking for dissent or something <laughs> like I, I, I read everything and I can't, but I, I, I shouldn't, but I do. Um, but it was, really, it was nice to write an episode that like, it seems like people like it, you know, or, you know, there's always people that don't like stuff, but like, it seems it, it's been fun to write this one where like we really just threw as much as we could in there. And so we wanted to see what people dug, what people didn't like, I don't know. It's been it's been cool to have, be part of a show that has such a big response. It feels like when I was watching it, felt like parts of it were almost a response to the discussions of like a larger canon within the show and an arc to everything. So it felt like there's a response to that and also an evolution of things people really responded to in like the interdimensional cable shit. Do you guys feel like you've maybe gone so far up yourself that it's hard to come back down? <laughs> yeah i don't think there is a down like i think it, i mean you guys jump in on the art side too but like i think that was kind of the challenge when we thought like and you'll see this as seasons go on i can't uh, uh spoil stuff i guess but like that's the beauty of this show to where like there is no limit and so we're only limiting ourselves if we play by these similar plot threads or narratives that we've been talking about for a while and like we haven't also we haven't also we haven't killed those plot lines. They were all just, you know, uh, narratives within this one episode where anything goes. I don't know. We just took it as like, uh, as carte blanche to do something truly experimental. And then like, yeah, there was the challenge. I think you said of like, we had to go so far up our own ass because if we didn't go far enough, people would be mad that we didn't. (laughs) So like, (laughs) if you're going to do like, because people have done the Batman, like, you know, sharing stories thing. People have done Canterbury Tales. Obviously there's the, what 27 short films about Springfield. There's no, there's no shortage of like clip show kind of uh, I know venture brothers did one that was like escape from the house of mummies part two. I that love. episode's but so like, good. It, it's a great one. So like <laughs> we, we knew we had to go to that height, but then we thought, well, if we're doing this, let's crucify ourselves at the same time just to kind of cover every end. 
Uh, but yeah, no, it was all part of the fun, man. On the art side, it's really fun too, just to see like the new, like reading the new scripts and then just having conversation with, you know, like Erica and all the other directors and James and Robbie, the other art director as well. Like, what are we going to do now that's like different based off of the script that's also, and so that's, that part to me is uh, really exciting just to kind of see like what the designers are going to come up with based off of like these new scripts, like just really pushing the envelope even more and more. So that's a lot of fun. That's, that's what's, uh, exciting for me too just to see all these new new designs what was difficult about this one carlos tell us what was difficult (laughs) about this one oh my gosh i think what for me from a a supervisor position or lead position i think what the challenge is it's just kind of like all these little plates that you're spinning at the same time you know because there's so much stuff going on um a lot of like i was just saying about like some of the new characters that are created in the episodes um we try to do some like reuse if we can but uh that's the fun part too about uh, working on a show like this is that you get to design new, new, new designs, but that can, that also shows up with a, a little bit of its challenges on its own because, you know, time is of essence and time is the pressure cooker and we want to have an excellent show and an excellent episode and, you know, be as good, if not better than the last and just push ourselves. But at the same time, we've got uh, restraints. So that for me usually is a challenge is to like try to get those things out, uh, to, to the level that we want them to be, but also within like the time that the time frame that we need to have them in by. So yeah. that's usually what's the challenge on, on, on some of these episodes from, for, for me at least. All y'all in the art department too, in a similar way to the explosions of the narrative, it feels like there's so many alien races you have to create. Does it, do you guys often feel like I don't even know what other humanoid I can create at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. I think I think it's I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to this uh, show when I first met with James a while ago, and it was so exciting and refreshing for me, at least, to like be on a show that like would allow for such a a, a grand scope of designing just random, funky-looking designs and just having fun with them. It was something up until then that I never really had the the uh, the the um, the uh, privilege to like actually really to work on because everything else was just really pretty much kind of paper, you know, uh, cut, whatever. Um, but so, yeah. So when it comes to that, we, it's sometimes you might feel, oh, I don't know if I can like come up with some stuff, uh, but then you see other designs from other designers and you get inspired and you like, you know, you, you, you inspire each other and stuff. So for me, I don't think there really is. If, if there is some moments where like you kind of hit a wall, you know, you just kind of like jump onto something else and come, come back and revisit it. But um, no, it's just a lot of fun just creating just wacky, zany designs. And How many uh, of them are like super scripted? Like, for instance, in this episode, I thought there was that awesome visual with like the smoke coming out of the noses that were on their foreheads. That was so friggin' cool. What were those called? I don't know. Did they have a name or were they just there for like a minute getting those, high? Those characters. <laughs> Ali- the aliens that were smoking in them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was, was that like really rigorously scripted? Like, okay, they're going to have nostrils on the top of their head. I don't think was that you guys like that was a last minute Dan scene that he tossed in about the teenagers like visualizing the fake world. Was that yeah? You, did you guys handle that? For this episode, we ended up uh, reusing and redressing some characters, but that character was from season three. So yeah, we're able to kind of repurpose that one. You guys are sort of renowned for having such an extensive catalog of characters that show up for a few seconds and then disappear forever. It's got to be tempting sometimes to bring some of those back, right? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. We do it at every chance that we get. <laughs> I think the next episode, that was the big thing, right? Like we, we reused a lot and well, we can't say, but yeah, the next one has a, a fair amount of reuse in a creative way. What are some uh, little details that the viewer might look for in this episode? Little peculiarities that may be overlooked? Um, I mean, starting in the bar car, I thought it was kind of fun. We had like a what normally would be like a straw dispenser at every table. It just has a nunchuck dispenser <laughs> at every uh, booth and table. Um, trying to think of what other little fun Oh, stuff. one of the little um, beer tap heads was a gromphomite head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Wasn't the first guy to come in, this might have been an old, like he, I gave you guys maybe the stupidest, stupidest visual direction of my life. It was like mix him up with like, it was Inspector Javert from Les Mis and Craven oh, yeah. the Hunter or something. Like that was, he had to have a big vest and all that. And then like, we, we, you guys spent weeks and weeks and it went away. Like for Cravey Javer? <laughs> Cravey Javer, yeah. That, that first guy, did he, did he keep that? I can't remember. He had like the big, he had the big vest. Uh, that went through like two or three revisions and then we were yeah. like done. But, uh, so I don't, that one, story Lord, I think went through more revisions and, and yeah, that. passenger one and two went through a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went, we did a lot of back and forth, but give us an example of what designs. those revisions would be like, walk us through the, like, why, why did they get revised? Um, I mean, they, you know, they get turned in and, and there might be three choices and different outfits and that kind of thing. Each one is drawn in a particular way that just gives off a particular kind of tone and vibe. And, and mm-hmm. the question is whether that matches what that character is trying to convey in the episode and what feels right to everybody in the room. So, yeah. There. And there, and it might be like, you know, James has his opinion of what it should look like. And maybe the director has an opinion and, and the writer has an opinion and, and Justin has an opinion. So it kind of just goes through these until everybody's on the same page. Did you guys butt heads in this episode? No, no, I don't think, I don't think, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm aware of. This one was the one episode that went through really smoothly once it got to art. Like other yeah. through. Yeah. Times, whereas this one was like had the golden seal of approval pretty much the whole time so yeah it's rare for the boars to just kind of go through and not have like that many notes and kind of just be like okay we're done move it on to you know move it on to cleanup so, so this that was, was an easy one <laughs> <laughs> it went smoothly i don't know if i would say it was easy but it Compared to the others, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Live podcast. I just I had a question about the Bechdel uh, test that where that came from. <laughs> Tell yes. us about the Bechdel test and how how that was. Uh, where'd that bit come from? Where'd that come from? That came pretty late. That was us. And like we had this giant whiteboard full of stuff, and we had a list of like complaints about the show and uh, things that people think the show is about that it's not. And we had all this stuff in there and we realized that we, it was, a, it was, I think in the season, we hadn't even done a lot of uh, Beth and Summer yet. We had, we had Beth and Summer in the um, Love Finders episode, but we were, and we have more of them in later seasons. But at this point we realized, oh yeah, we haven't really been using like Beth and Summer, especially in this episode too, since it is so Rick centric. 
And so we just thought, what's something we could, oh, let's just like have, you know, force them in like very like intentionally, crudely, like shove them into the episode and, and may, and we just thought out, I mean, I love fun home. I, I love, are you my mother? And it just kind of came in naturally. Like, oh yeah. Have them literally break the Bechdel test and kind of like make fun of the very self-servicing, like usually male writer who thinks he's such a good, you know, dialogue <laughs> between women. And we just thought it was a, a way to really like, show a fly in our season, but then also like make fun of it and press onwards. And yeah. Kind of, like, yeah. Hit it with a hammer. Like making fun of ourselves more than anything. <laughs> but you had a list of things that people complain about. That's oh, it, it wasn't even like complaining. It was I, originally in the first couple takes of the script. It was more of that almost Gotham Batman style. So we spent more time. And I think you guys will can speak to this on the art side. I don't know if you saw this, but like the vignettes were longer and so like that first opening scene with like that space emperor guy, that was a whole different opening. I think it, maybe this is a spoiler. I don't know. It was, if you've read Dune or you've seen gladiator, we were going to do this like really poignant short story about this gladiator who was like, his life was ruined by Rick accidentally years ago. And it was going to be his like journey to seek revenge. And he just gets killed basically off screen by Rick who never even notices him. <laughs> but like, that thing was a long cold open. We cut that down and then we rewrote it to like a short thing. I don't know, like this thing went through so many script revisions. It was going to be like heavy vignettes and then we truncated it down. And then it just became more about literally random characters as we pieced together the narrative that none of these stories make sense. I feel I lost track of the question. Was that about right? (laughs) I have dozens of vignettes and things that I wrote for this that I'll I'll talk about Jesus Christ when he came in later. Hey, you're on the line with the Rick and Morty. You're on the Rick and Morty podcast. Companion podcast. Pandemonium podcast. Crazy. We're in crazy town, USA. Um, My question is uh, regarding Rick's faith. Um, We've seen him pray twice now. Um, and what gave you guys the idea to throw in the God, Jesus Christ stuff? Oh, that <laughs> is maybe the most fun I've had in a writer's room in my life. Because we, we were stumped for weeks on how to end this, and we didn't know how to end it. And nothing felt like we were. We, we got ourselves into a hole where like, we had this cool villain about like, oh, he's like, he can trap you within a narrative. We used, um, if you know Superman comics, Mr. Mitzelspit lick a little bit, or like Q from Star Trek. Sort of like an extra dimensional creature that could trap you within your own limitless narrative potential. And so we thought like, okay, what's the thing that would kill Rick and Morty? And we're like, well, like it becomes too popular. Like, oh sure, like most shows do. We're like, oh, they jump the shark. Yeah, we've seen that. Or people will get the reference. And we just eventually just one day, it's like, wait, what if like the creators became super Christian and like in the way like a, like they become like Kirk Cameron Christian or just that weird like I I, I grew up that way myself too. It's like I love '90s Christian television and all that. But we just we thought, oh, that would be a way to kind of kick the tire out of the show and like if they just became super devoutly religious and. We used a lot of like the art team. I, uh, they just nailed like that aesthetic of early '90s Christian animated entertainment that I grew up on. Uh, so I don't know. It just came from a place of trying to one up it. But then we thought also like, yeah, let's put in jokes and do all that. But we also thought like, well, we're also technically showing Jesus like save people and be kind. And like, well, I guess like it's not the worst portrayal of Jesus. He's very fit and it works. Uh, but yeah, it, it came from a place of trying to one-up ourselves and being in a corner. And then my 
decades of Christian education uh, came in handy. I guess. The language that you used in that, it seems like you were careful to to use some real thing. Oh, and, yeah, and the sinner's prayer. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've gotten a lot of weird, like, tracks passed to me on Amtrak trains and inside of Carl Jr.'s and stuff by strange people. So I, I tried to use the, uh, the the tracked language of all that stuff. I wonder if you get any pushback, if if you if that would raise any hackles anywhere out there. I even, like, I mean, even, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think Jesus can take it. He's a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come gutters. Uh-oh. <laughs> You've added to the lexicon. Yeah, they. Where did that come from? Yeah, it, where did that come from? It's just writers' room. Like that's the part of the joy and what I miss now is like it's that writers' room energy. And it was like, where you're just joking about stuff. I forget who said it first. Was it Sean Perlman? I can't. Or was it? It might have been me. I don't want to take full credit. Like it's one of those like big energy things in a room where it's like it's like this collective effort. Um, but I just I do love. I think I said this in the behind the scenes. I love a moment in any show when like an old man rips off his clothing and to reveal like he's been training to fight you. <laughs> and I don't know. It just became a motif. And then Dan ran with it. We brought it in three times. And then we got. I think we got Jesus first. But then we realized now that we have Jesus, we can bring back the cum gutters for a third time. And that was you know, <laughs> once you had the third cum gutter, you could you could close out the episode. It's hard to unthink of uh, the. Come gutters now. No, that was the point. They come yeah, back. I works. will say, uh, people stick around for season five. That's all I'll say. They come back. Hey, you're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast hey, live. Come gutters hotline. Could you make a crossover with Rick and Morty and so opposite? Oh, could you make a know. crossover with Justin Roiland's new show on Hulu? I think that's the question. Yeah. No, no, they're different networks. Was, um, can I ask another question? Yeah, you yeah. we you earned another bonus question. Have you ever thought of doing a crossover with other TV shows, like for example, like The Simpsons or Family Guy or South Park? I mean, South Park that has a different like universe. Sir, why are you obsessed with crossovers? <laughs> well, there was that one little bit where like The Simpsons gets uh, crashed into their The ship. Simpsons and intro. They did a Simpsons um, intro, dude. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so. You hop on Reddit after this. I did. And a lot of people are saying that the, sh- the show is sort of fucking with their fans. Do you, mm-hmm. Is that accurate, do you think? I, I think some of those fans deserve to be fucked with a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's also some, some entitlement <laughs> in there. Whereas, like, the fan entitlement? Well, no, but also a viewer. Like, you expect that... What piece of art do you expect to please you all the time? And I think the purpose of this show and what's beautiful about the show is that if we're doing our job, we should do stuff that surprises you and pushes you. And some stuff, yeah, like some stuff might not land for you or some stuff might be different or, but I don't know. I I think uh, it it wasn't like an attack on the fans, but it was a way of showing like, no, like we're going to do this our way and we're going to be experimental and and we're going to, keep building out the umbrella of the show. But I, I don't think as far as the fan stuff goes, like we got, we got good stuff coming up. So I think, I think he yeah. has a few like, and, I mean, and like, and like you were saying earlier, Jeff, like just because, you know, we showed it this way and you'll probably never see it this way again. That doesn't mean we're dropping those storylines completely. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of that episode was that it's non-canonical or that it's, you know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, right. Like all this, I'm an old comic book guy. Like I love, 
plot lines and big, you know, big turns and stuff. Like you guys, I think you'll, I think you guys will be happy with the stories that uh, you're expecting. You mentioned before the podcast when you and I were speaking privately. Uh, you were talking about how Doctor Storyman came in later in the writing process. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to know when and how you guys decided to justify the conceit. Oh, I think it um, when it became clear there was like a big shift in the episode's creation where it originally was going to be like maybe the first couple of minutes where it was like a whole episode of vignettes and then the vignette character Rick and Morty were not even in the episode until the end like on that way as they look at the train for a long time like rick and morty the characters were not going to be in the episode and then we put them in around the midway point but then we realized oh we are just let's put them in earlier so it becomes a rick and morty episode and so like i mean there have been so many variations and the story lord came in because we we realized um so we'll reveal rick and morty sooner and then they'll realize they're trapped in this prison. So then it came like, oh, well, who's imprisoning them? And I think I pitched or someone pitched like, oh, let's do. We've never done a villain that's more experiential. We've never done like, like I said, like a Mitzel Spitlick, a Q, a Mysterio type villain. Like someone who's a little, who's just a little more like, uh, what do you call it? Omnipresent and, and manipulative. Uh, but yeah, Story Lord came in late and I think, and then, and then he became a vessel for Harmon to like make fun of himself basically. And just a love, a love of structure. Uh, <laughs> and then we just put a little bit of like, uh, uh, once we got Paul Giamatti, then we, we wrote a lot of it, but like, I don't know. We, he, he, he came cause we just wanted one more old guy to have come gutters basically. <laughs> that's, that's where his uh, inception. Are you guys came. mocking yourselves about the, the storytelling technique? Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. We realized once we had like once we had set off on this journey, we need to have just a piece of shit at the end of the line. Like in I I love like Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now or like uh, uh Snowpiercer, any of that. There's always like a guy at the end, the architect in the Matrix, and like the art team. You, I think I I just told you guys Matrix Space Fraser, and you guys took it away. Like it, it was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, we asked to see if we could have uh, Harmon be the design, but that was an immediate no. Do you look at the episode uh, when it comes on last night? Do you, are, are there things that you're surprised that made it all the way through? Yeah, I, I was surprised at that musical. I, the, the song was great, but I always thought that was a joke that was going to get lost. Or I, I thought... I, I was surprised. I, I I didn't know if that Jesus stuff was going to make it in all the way, just because that was such a personal pitch. And, you know, you always get attached to stuff. Uh, I didn't think Goomby, like the, the holiday one. I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm the most neurotic guy and I wrote like 40 vignettes. So you never know what's going to fit in. But like, I, yeah, I was surprised at some of the choices, but I, I love it. Like, I love Goomby. I, I really love how that worked out. <laughs> You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast. What's your name and what's your question? Hi. I was um, wondering about uh, the Roy game. Um, I noticed it was again in this episode, and I was wondering if you were going to make a Roy game for real life. Uh, Man, I I don't know. I'm almost surprised. Like every time we get like some of the new, some of the the new, some of the merchandise that's going to come out, I'm surprised. Uh, it's, it's a pleasant surprise to see what's being picked to be made into toys and stuff. There's so much stuff out there. So I personally don't have any idea of like what's going to be pitched to be made into toys and stuff. So that'd be pretty. It cool. would be a fun like VR experience or something. You could you could yeah. Play. <laughs> that'd be really fun. 
What do you think is going to end up uh, as a toy out of this one? You're supposed to have that train. I don't know what happened. What <laughs> I guess happened? Yeah. I guess yeah. the world fell apart. We were supposed to have the website and like we were going to make this toy train. <laughs> yeah, think I the, don't know what happened there. Did it? It was legitimately going to happen, but it didn't happen. It was. It was. Uh, we were emphatic about it in the room that like the whole point of the show was to sell model toy trains. Uh, <laughs> I was going to get one for my for my dad. Yeah, those designs came out really, really nice. Really cool. Yeah, I kind of thought that that was uh, going to be a real thing also. <laughs> Who knows? It might still be. It's, still. it's a badge of honor when, when I guess, something maybe that you design turns into a toy. Carlos, are you, are you close to those decisions? How does that work? Oh, no, I'm not close to those decisions at all, like what's going to get made or not. Um, I don't know who makes those decisions, if it's Justin or the, you know, but... But it is really cool to answer your question about to see some of the designs that like uh, that the designers are, make and then, you know, get picked and be made into these little cool little Funko toys. Uh, it's always really fun to see like the different styles and the different um, the different ways that they're portrayed in different, uh, um, you know, what I think there's a couple uh, different variations of like one character. So it's always really cool to see, you know, what gets picked and, and uh, like there was one this little... Um, this cute little snake that was made from one of our snake episodes. <laughs> I was surprised. And out of all the snakes that we designed, it was a, a little like Terminator snake that was made. It's a tiny little thing, but it was really cool. So to see all those little things, it's just, uh, um, it's fun to see them in 3D, you know, and to be made into toys. Bible source is the one I want to see. Bible source. Yes. <laughs> I would love to see all of those guys made into toys. There's some uh, significant violence in this episode. Yes. How do you know? I guess Erica, let's ask you. How do you know how violent to go, or when it's when? Do you, when there, you there's back? really no limit. There's on no this limit. Show. <laughs> is that your, uh, that's um, your your call. It's not my call. It's just it's it's something that we've come to realize. I think all of us is that we can go as insane as we want. I think only recently we started getting the um, some more S and P notes about like guts and and things like that like there's only so much internal organs <laughs> that we're allowed to show now but um yeah I, we Did you have to dial things back in this episode <sighs> that i recall because it's just blood they always say in their messages don't no excessive gore but as long as it's well, blood they're fine for some reason yeah I, I did come across one of the the uh james i don't know like because i didn't get to see it so well uh but the train conductor, the tickets, please guy, uh, happened to see the the design turn that we did, and it had all the when he's cut in half and all the guts and stuff. It was did they still show that on the episode? I I didn't get to see that part. I didn't really notice that if they did, because he was always draining out blood. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> floating blood man or whatever his name was. So. Yeah, it might have been dialed back just a smidge, but not 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 much. Yeah, we really dialed back the part where the guy got ripped between realities and sprayed blood across. How how much goes into the script, Jeff, of uh, the violence? Uh, there's one like next week, and it was a, it's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, you you write for. It, I guess it varies because like you do work so closely with the art team, and like you, there are certain points when the, in the script you're just trying to kind of get the jokes across but then sometimes you get a little more detailed with it i guess it's just kind of an ebb and flow in a conversation with the art people because they, they, they're they're so like 
they, they, they elevate it so much. So I, sometimes I, I trust them enough where I'll just leave it like a line or two. Like, I think I just wrote like, you know, story Lord kicks Rick and Morty's ass through the window. And then Erica and the whole team just made that such a funny, fluid, like fight sequence. So yeah, it's a bit of both. Oh, I was just going to say for an example, uh, I know in the pickle Rick episode, when, when pickle Rick is fighting all the rats, like, most of that was just the board artist going insane. Like, <laughs> I think the script just called for a fight and the board artist really just took it to 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 that level. Yeah. So. You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion podcast. Now you're allowed to speak, sir. I, I got quick five questions. Oh, you can only ask one of them. Have you ever thought of like doing a Rick and Morty Star Wars episode? Oh my god! You can't really do like a Star Wars parody because like you know Family Guy did that a decade ago, and like but Star Wars is so seeped into our culture. I think you can use it as a launching point to like like next week. There's for sure a ton of Star Wars stuff in there, but like I look at Star Wars as like a monolith. It's like this, you know, it's owned by the biggest company in the world. We're all like mandatory. Like we used to love it, but now it is like this somewhat ever reaching force. So I think it's funnier to kind of make fun of what Star Wars represents rather than just do like a branded commercial for, for Star Wars. If that makes sense, like use what you love about Star Wars to make something new. Don't just do a Star Wars episode if that, if that makes sense. So yeah, there is a lot of Star Wars stuff coming up, but not, it's not about Star Wars. It's about something else. At what point in the process do these last minute additions like the uh, COVID uh, joke come in and how often do you guys have to completely reanimate things or are you guys keeping stuff in like an animatic form long enough to figure out what they want that scene already had other lines and they must have recorded that in the last couple of weeks and then animation team had to you know kind of lip sync everything to make sure it hooks up to the dialogue but that one's like yeah. a pretty simple one because it's just like you know, you probably have the mouth rig and it's a shot. But is there any ever has there been really complicated moments where you have to completely throw in a new action sequence out of nowhere? Yeah. Yes, it happens. <laughs> it yeah. does happen. And there's new characters added. There, you know, that didn't exist before. Yeah. Or all sorts of things. So. Dragon, like the whole second act. I mean, that thing just like went. Oh, weak. Wow. Yeah, we had to design all these new dragons. We had uh, like six new ones or something like that, like completely different ones and then turn them all. And I think we have people working until like the day before it airs. I swear, like we have people just fine tuning until the very last second. There's a question in the chat. How much control do you have on actual sponsor stuff, commercial work? Significant Wendy's. Uh, sponsorship at the beginning of this right i don't know like yeah i mean do you guys know i, I used to work in late night tv it's like it's like you don't even know when that stuff is happening and like yeah I, I, do you guys work on that stuff i i never did but then you'll just see a commercial pop up it was good it was it seemed fun yeah, really good i like the pringles yeah. one the death stranding one they seem to have a little bit more wanting to weigh in and give their two cents with Pringles, as long as their logo is red and everything was reading in that way, then that's kind of mostly what they care about. They kind of let us do what we wanted. Do you feel like you have to be careful about being topical or not topical? Opposite. Uh, you have to – I wrote – I had to write this stuff in like April and November of tw- – November 2018 and through like April 2019, and it comes out April, May 2020 – 
So I, I think with animation, since it takes too long, you can't be topical because if you're just making like Kofefe jokes and like, and the world moves so quickly now, I think the thing you should be is timely and not topical, like make fun of, so like next week in particular, for some reason I'm fixated on next week's episode. I think it's about things that are happening in the world, but it's not about, you know, a, a reference that Trump made or a gaffe. It's, a, it's about more like when you're a writer or whatever, like, right for the feeling of what's going on and maybe where you think the world is going because in a year people are going to watch it. But yeah, I don't think our show does topical too much just because it's so, I mean, it, 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 it comes out a year later. So it's something maybe we'll improvise, but I think if you're writing an animation, stay away from topical and go more for timely or like how you're feeling, but that's just me. Yeah. South Park's like the only one that can get away with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, you're on the line with the Rick and Morty companion podcast talking about, Story Lord's Train of Magic. How, who is it's your line? Hi, this is Matt. Yeah, I just want to ask if uh, there's like any Rick and Morty like movie that's gonna like come out. Not that I'm aware of. I asked that same question a while back. <laughs> the thought that I had, and I was like, hey, you know, that'd be cool to. I was wondering if we, just a thought came in my head about maybe seeing this in the big screen and you know all the the magic that we all do. And uh, but no, it's. I think uh, I got the same response. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd all like to. Yeah. For sure. I know it's been discussed, but nothing, everything, if there is anything, it's under wraps and no one else knows about it yet. So, yeah, except for the writers. Yeah, let's do season five. You guys let's have a lot of episodes <laughs> coming up. Does it does it seem overwhelming or is it exciting? How does that feel? I'm excited for this batch. Like, yeah, like I wrote on the next three and or the next, this and the next two. And then I've got, what two of season five so like my job is done so now i have i, I just i it's fine i just rely on the art team now to, to make it way better so yeah it feels nice to me it's like oh finally all that work is done so i can just kind of see it when it comes out chatter asking would there be a musical episode of rick and morty oh my gosh <laughs> almost we you got a taste of it yeah, when, yeah well when you have a moment like that that's like a an offhand like oh this is the like almost as if there was a world of 20 Rick and Morty musical episodes but right. we just summed it up by saying we only needed this one clip does it make it feel like that's off limits in the future it felt like i think we wrote i wrote like a rent i, I wrote some weird 90s musical theater stomp rent thing that we changed into that vietnam flashback it was, it was like it changed all over the place I think that we we went down there and just realized like ah we want to do this like South Park does music so much better like Simpsons has done great music like ah like, we're not Seth Farland like I don't know if we need to do a musical thing <laughs> I think that taste was enough but I don't know you I guys are very aware but... of the other animated shows and what they've done and do you pay a lot of attention to that uh, no, not not as a rule I think just myself you know if you're working in comedy or animation or or anything you just have to kind of be consuming a lot so you don't repeat and you know it just kind of helps you be more voracious reader yourself um but yeah i think it's, it's on us as writers in the show just to like keep it as as fresh as possible same with directing <laughs> <laughs> erica when it comes to uh wielding your director hand uh what was some of your favorite maybe big decisions you had to make this episode did you ever have to lay the law down and merge people's ideas together and say, this is the compromise now? It's, it's, it's always such a, it's always merging everyone's ideas together. I feel like every, 
scene and, and sequence is, is kind of that. And I will say that I, in terms of storyboarding, this episode, like I said, went pretty smoothly uh, f- the first time around. Um, I was worried because uh, we, I had uh, an unusual number of storyboard artists working on it um, in the thumbnail stage. Normally it's about four and this time we, it was eight. So I was kind of scared that, you know, it, it was going to get like way too messy and, and, and I wouldn't be able to kind of keep track of everybody and, and what everyone's doing, but it ended up being pretty, pretty smooth. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, uh, I, I don't think there was a moment where I was like, no, we have to redo this whole thing. Like this is all wrong. I think everybody was pretty on point. So you, there was a lot of board artists this time in the, for this episode, you said? Yeah, for, for this for this specific episode, um, it just worked out that way uh, in the schedule. And and everybody kind of got thrown onto it. And <laughs> I just remember in the launch meeting, there was like 20 people in there. It was crazy. Did it but, work well, maybe because there were so many different vignettes that maybe people could lend a different yeah, flavor to yeah, everything? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Everyone kind of got their own little vignette. And that's the way that the interdimensional cable episodes always worked, too. And that that's what was so fun about those is everyone kind of got to do their own little skit. And um, yeah, if you all suddenly had to go work for another show right now in this moment, uh, what are the kind of shows that you'd like to work for? Well, I'll say I really like the new I just saw the new uh, what is it? The Gospel at Midnight. Or really good gospel. midnight gospel yeah oh yeah, man really i really really like what they're doing there like the designs the background story everything the interviews that that's exciting that's fresh and exciting i like that I yeah i agree I'm, I'm a big fan of pendleton ward's stuff so anything by him i think would be super fun to work on or um you know i was a big fan of steven universe too something along those lines yeah I think I would want to do on the comedy side of things. I'd love to work on like, I think you should leave by Tim Robinson. I think is a really cutting edge sketch show. I think it's so creative and it, and it pushes the boundaries animation. I, I would make the nineties X-Men cartoon and bring it back and, <laughs> and then write that. Yes. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of doing it. So I'm on the show. I want to be on um, midnight gospel was great. I just saw that the other night. Um, I've never really done features, so animated features. I'd be kind of curious about that. But beyond that, there's nothing else out right now that I'm dying to jump onto. So, Buno's in the chat saying, any more big animation set pieces planned like the Rick Army? Yeah. That was a crazy shot. That was insane. <laughs> that one went back and forth like 30 times with the, the guy setting it up and everything. And Erica, I don't know what you guys went through on that one, but... Um, yeah right. on our end you know the script i think called for like a helms deep type yeah shot minus tirith yeah minus tirith yeah and yeah. so i i just roughly thumbnailed it out handed it off to uh doug olson and he cleaned it up in i think after effects and then after that it went on to animation and and yeah it <laughs> we i don't think we've ever done anything like that the animator that did the intro to futurama is the animator who set all that up that's incredible 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, we, and we just knew from the script, it was like, this has to, it's like a fake series finale. So we, yeah, we just knew like it had yeah. to be as cinematic and as big as possible. And I tried to write the most like, yeah, uh, Tolkien, yeah. you know, give the, the fans what they think they want. Like, let's give them a taste of that. And I, I, I feel like we'll probably do something like that again in the future, but hopefully not, <laughs> hopefully not too soon. <laughs> okay. We did it. Rick and Morty number 407, Never Ricking Morty. Thanks to Erica, Jeff, James, Carlos. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. That was the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast. Uh, Join us live next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern on AdultSwim.com or the AdultSwim app. Ask specific questions about the episode, please. Unless everyone wants to call and ask about Star Wars crossovers and just make sure these people who probably don't have any control over it until we get Dan Harmon on the podcast. <laughs> do you think they were calling it Ricking? I didn't ask this, but do you think they were calling it Ricking Morty or whatever to as a reference to the same J thing? No, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like they had to remember. Oh, yeah. Ricking Morty. Yeah. Anyway, join us live next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern on adultsfilm.com or the Adultsfilm app. You can ask your questions. 708-794-6386 is the number. Write it down now. If you, if you saw the show, any comments you have technically or about if Matt and I should tell more or less jokes, it's hard to know. When you have a live audience, everything changes. I don't think we – I didn't tell any jokes. Did you I tell jokes? I told a lot of jokes. I would mute you guys and I'd give us a little stand-up. Subscribe to the Adult Swim Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I guess you probably are subscribed to it now if you're listening to this. Anyway, be sure to visit adultsum.com slash podcast to see links to some of the things we talk about on the podcasts. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Send your Gmail to the G-Bag, adultswimpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Christina Loringer for producing this episode. Special thanks to Steve Levy for organizing all of this. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening. <laughs>